this is Craig Valentine, host of Early to Rise Radio. Have you ever wanted to become wealthier, healthier, wiser, or just have more time to appreciate the finer things in life? On this show, we reveal what high performers are doing every day to be more successful without sacrificing their personal lives. Early to Rise Radio is sponsored by the Perfect Day Formula. Get your free copy of this game-changing success guide at freeperfectdaybook.com. Now let's get started with today's show. for success, for abundance, and to overcome anything in your life, you're going to love this episode of Early to Rise Radio. I'm Craig Ballantyne with my guest, Gavin McHale, and we're going to jump into how the lowest of your lows can help you live your best life. All right, so Gavin, uh, I'm going to ask you to take us back to the lowest point of your, maybe not your life, but you know your hockey career uh, before you got into mindset coaching and being an amazing coach. You went through a bit of the dumps. Yep. Walk us through that eh, as quickly as possible. Yeah, well, a couple months of really struggling for the first time in my life at anything that I chose to do. So I'm playing hockey in the Western Hockey League and I'm struggling, I'm losing games, I'm letting in goals. How old are you? 17 years old. 17 years old. So yeah, I thought I had the world, was taking the world by storm, I was not. And yeah, I was just, I was facing a lot of challenges, you know, being away from home as well, I just wasn't prepared for that. And so it all kind of culminated on New Year's Eve when I decided that I was going to join a line brawl. And that's- So that's where every Everybody's fighting at once. So if, if you ever watch like any old hockey movies where all the guys are just fighting on the ice, this is this was that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and that I didn't really happen in 2005 that often. No, they had was, so many rules against. Yeah, it. it was like a once a year thing, and and I decided to join on that once a year and got my face punched in. Some so. New Year's Eve fireworks. Yes, that's right, and and then a fun was ride this home. On TV? No, but it's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. So they were calling the radio version? Yeah, it was a radio broadcast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you got, you're, you're how tall are you? Six foot seven. And, and how tall was the other guy? Six foot four. Oh, he was. I okay. was hoping that he was okay. shorter, but he was not. Yeah, because I was like, how did he reach you? Yeah. But you, you so you lost that fight in front of 10,000 people. And I lost it in pretty dramatic fashion. Yeah. 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 So, so that's like the lowest of the low at 17 years old. Why do you feel like, as you reflect back, why did you have to go through the lowest of the lows to get to where you are now? I think one of the biggest things that sets me apart is when I go and speak to a group and I share with them my story, I've been through the thing that they're most afraid of. Every entrepreneur and every high performer is so afraid that they're going to miss out on potential or that they're going to, you know, kind of be found out to, to not be what they, what they're projecting on the world. That happened to me in dramatic fashion in front of 10,000 people and I came back from it. And not to mention like I'm able to speak to groups about it and things like that. So I think I think that happening allowed me to, unfortunately I didn't fix the issues right then and there, but it allowed me to see in hindsight where my mindset was not serving me and, and you know, the universe was trying to show me that. So. Our biggest fear, what you said, is a lot of entrepreneurs' biggest fear is falling flat on their face. Pretty much. Why, why do we have that fear? Why does that every human's fear? And 
how does that kind of manifest in their day-to-day decisions? Like, what does that lead us to do? Yeah, I think I think we all want to be that, you know, show up as the best version of ourselves. We want to, you know, get that external validation and prove how good we are. I think it's really a symptom of the fixed mindset that a lot of us were, were taught through school, through society, that if you fail, that means that you're not good enough. You're on stage, you're performing for the crowd, and they get to choose if you're good enough. It's this external validation thing, right? So if you fall flat, on your face, that means that you're not good enough and everybody can see it. So it's super scary to like look stupid or to look like you're not good enough in front of the world. And that's what, you know, we all think everybody's watching us all the time when really they're not. Right. Okay. So then what does that lead us to do? How do we handcuff ourselves? How do we hold ourselves back from achieving more in our business, more in our personal lives, because we're always walking around with this fear of the judgment of others? Yeah, we try, we try and protect ourselves from that pain. You know, we try and, and keep our ourselves from from feeling that pain from experiencing the 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 failure from experiencing the uh, fact that you know I'm not good enough and, and everybody can see it we really try and protect ourselves it's, it's one of these glitches in our brain that you know it's it's a stupid human trick I like to call it. <laughs> right exactly it's like it's trying to help us with something but second order effect is it's hurting something else right so in trying to keep us safe from failure and being found out it's also stopping us from taking the risk that we need to take to have success and to get to the next level and to get to a a place where we're supporting or helping more people and and having more success in general. Yeah, so a lot of people procrastinate through many reasons, but one of them is perfectionism. And recently wrote an article for our website and shared with our coaching clients about perfectionism. What are, I think there was three main things that lead to perfectionism in people. I don't have, I'm fortunate, I don't have perfectionism, but for those people that do struggle with it, why did they struggle with it? Why are they using this perfectionism and how do they get over it? Yeah, so the perfectionism, as, as you have eloquently said in the past, is a perverse form of procrastination, yeah. right? They are trying to almost prove to themselves that like, oh, well, it's not perfect, so I can't put it out. But really, they're just afraid that, that they're going to get found out, right? Yeah. That they're going to get found out as not good enough, that they're going to get found out as, as maybe not knowing as much as they think they would, that maybe someone's going to make fun of them, or maybe someone's going to say, hey, you missed, you forgot this thing, mm-hmm. right? So, so that forces them to try and be perfect and to never put anything out at all, right? Now, if we can get clear on like, what is the reason behind that? Like, what's the deeper reason that I'm not, that I'm afraid to put something out that's quote unquote not perfect? Usually it comes down to worthiness. Usually it comes down to um, that fixed mindset that we talked about and needing the external validation. When we can get deeper to that layer and we can start to rewire the brain, that's gonna allow you to start to do the scary thing, to take the messy action, to, because when you can take the messy action, when you can put out that, that video that's not perfect, you can get feedback faster and you can recognize that, okay, well, it's not perfect, but I mean, still got, you know, still got some pretty good external validation. Some people liked it, things like that. And I didn't die, which is the, the big thing. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's very important for people to understand that you fear this criticism, but in most cases, you, you're really just going to get positive comments on it. Most likely, especially yeah. if you haven't done something in the past and like you're putting out your first video or you're, you That's know, a great point. And hopefully that helps people recognize that everyone really wants you to succeed. Yeah. You know, everyone around you wants you to succeed. And the only people, this was a a big thing that I found out, the only people that are gonna criticize you probably aren't doing as well as you are. So funny story is that recently on my Instagram, 
with the help of our social media team, I put out this video and it's, um, it's like parents stop and watch this and it's Tom Brady thanking his dad. Mm -hmm. And this guy comments on it and he says, oh, you have like one kid now and you're giving parenting advice? And it was interesting because it wasn't even parenting advice. Right. But he was so angry and, um, you know, I'm fortunate. We have a, a lot of people who follow me. They really ripped him apart. And <laughs> I'll, I'll, I, I just say thank you. And anytime anybody criticizes me, I just like thank you. And it, either, it makes them really mad that I either didn't, like they, he didn't even read my comment. Right. Or it's just like, well, thank I, you. I would imagine that it came from in the past, you did not respond in that way. I would assume that in the past, maybe that bothered you in a way, or, or even if it didn't, like a lot of people would take that and, and be hurt about that, right? Well, well, you know, I spent, the way that I used to deal with it is I would spend a long time thinking, you know, it'd be like three hours, I'd be thinking of all the perfect comebacks to say, right. I, I, <laughs> I always generally knew better than to say anything. And yeah, criticism, you know, bothers me, but in that case, because the criticism was so bad, it, it was so ridiculous. It, it, it yeah. didn't. But you know, then it's like, oh, who is this person? You click on his profile, and it's clear he's not doing well, and exactly. that's, that sort of thing. And, and I think that's a very important message. You know, the reason why I brought it up is because in most cases, and I've been reading this. Uh, I'm reading a Scott Adams book called "Reframe Your Brain" or "Reframe Your Mind" or something like that. And it's really just if people do criticize you it's because they're coming from a place where they're really struggling or they're really hurt and they're just lashing out. Mm. And so therefore you can't take it personally. You have to just say, you have to feel bad for them really. Yeah, this and this is actually something I'm gonna be presenting on at our next live event here is, if you can actually put yourself in their shoes, you know, whether it's a commenter or it's your partner that you're arguing with or it's a client that's not getting results, if you can put yourself in their shoes and have some compassion for where they're coming from, it makes that argument argument or that frustrating situation so much easier to deal with because you can recognize oh they're coming from a place of fear or they're coming from a place of of guilt or shame or whatever or tired or yeah no, no kidding yeah it's just stuff like that yeah when we a look at day, it, when we look at it from there you recognize oh this really has nothing to do with me yeah exactly and you said something in your answer prior to that like rewire your mind or something that's exactly why we brought you on the team is to yeah. rewire our clients minds and you have helped so many people do it and you've helped them through perfectionism and you've helped them even if it wasn't perfectionism a lot of people were struggling to get started mm -hmm. and you rewired their mind so that they were able to get started just tell us some of your favorite stories of and you can you know make up names for for people or whatever but just you know i was working with this person they were stuck on this for this reason i showed them this and here's what they were able to do yeah, man, we have so many of those. So uh, one of our clients who just came in here and, and we had a conversation with her, she was struggling with th this specific piece of her business and, and, and how, you know, how is it gonna be perceived? How am I gonna be seen? And when we helped her recognize that this was a bigger issue, right, of how was she going to be seen in, in, in general, she could then take that and start to rewire that belief and believe like, you know what? Like, it's how I see myself, not how other people see me. Like, that's what really matters. Okay, and so, well, let's break that down because I think that's very, very common in entrepreneurs. They don't want to go and do something and they kind of hide behind, well, you know, I don't want my business to be seen that way, but they're really scared about people, again, criticizing them yeah. individually, right? Yeah, it's, it's always this, uh, the best, 
analogy was, you know, if you're pointing one finger out, expect that three are pointing back at you. And generally, if, if we are worried about something outside of us, turn it around on yourself because it's probably that you're worried about that, that you're not going to be accepted or that you're not good enough or whatever it is. It's not the program that's not good enough. It's you that you're worried is not good enough. When we can do that, we can take responsibility and then we can make the change in ourselves. And if I can accept myself as I am, then I don't need anybody else to accept me as I am. If I can accept that I am worthy of the attention or the money that I'm getting, I don't need anybody else to think that I'm worthy of it. And when we can make that change and rewire our brain in that way and start to look for evidence that those things are true, then we don't need any of that external validation and everything just starts to fall into our lap. So that's one of those um, really great examples of, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> And it sounds good. How the heck do I go from uh, where I'm thinking that I'm unworthy to just going, oh, all I need to do is just think that I'm worthy. And, right. and now, oh, okay, all right. It's, it's a great piece of Instagram fodder, yeah. but- Just we'll, think that you're worthy. We'll be go deeper, yeah. What's the, uh, I remember when I was, wanted to make more money in my business. And someone said, well, you got to do the affirmations, right? And so I'm standing in the mirror and I'm going, you are rich, you are wealthy. And you know, my subconscious brain, which is 95 to 98% of our brain is going, no, you're not. You don't have any money in the bank, in your bank account, right? Our subconscious brain is an excellent BS detector. And when it detects BS, it's gonna go, absolutely not, that's not true. So what we need to do is we need to go in and pick out what is the story that your subconscious brain is telling you. Generally that comes from some painful thing that happened or, or maybe it's just like the way that you've been programmed by society. Sure. When that happens, it, it, our brain installs this like rule that it sounds, you know, the devil on our shoulder is making it sound like a rule or a fact, but really it's just a belief that can be changed. So if we can go in and pick that out, which that's what we do on a lot of our calls, or even in just talking with people, we can recognize some of those stories. If we can go in there, figure that out, and then rework that, again, rewire that into a story or a truth that serves you better, then all we have to do is go, okay, this serves me way better, right? I accept myself as I am, for example, instead of worrying about other people needing to accept me. Now we can just go and look for evidence of that. Now we can just go and, and find in our lives our reticular activating system, which is tells our conscious brain what to focus on. I can just go and reprogram that to look for new evidence. That's really the way that we, you know, how to this whole like, new affirmations and rewiring your brain. That's the how-to process. So, so a lot of people who are entrepreneurs probably have tried before and maybe they've failed in a business before and now even though they're kind of getting a little bit of success in the new business, they're thinking, oh, I'm just gonna fail again because mm -hmm. that's the, the, the devil on their shoulder. You're just yeah. gonna fail again. Or their parents said you're never gonna make it or your friends said you're never gonna make it or just go get a real job or whatever. So, so let's say that's the devil on their shoulder and that is the experience that they've had. That's, that's some reality. Right. And, but they have, they've started this new business. What evidence did they look for to overcome that? Yeah, so like, it's like, well, I have a lot of evidence that that's true, right? So yeah. like, well, how am I gonna change that? So I actually like to, to break it down into three levels of evidence. And, and you can decide how big or how small you want that evidence to be, right? One of my clients, for example, recently was saying, win for him that 
he was moving in the right direction. The only win was when he made a sale. Well, he sells super high tickets, so that's like once a week, yeah. right? What if we could break that down into like every time he has a conversation with someone, every time he books a call, something that happens every day or multiple times daily, now we're getting evidence all the time, right? Which is super, super important. Now, back to your question, can you, can you remind me what right. so, was? So I'm Joe, the entrepreneur, and when I was 18, I started hot dog stand and it failed miserably. Yeah. And now I'm you know, 35 and this is my, and you know, I started another business and it failed miserably and I worked for a corporation and everybody told me just to stay with the corporate job and then I started this new business and it's actually doing okay, but you know, I just wake up in the middle of the night thinking, oh my God, I'm gonna fail. Yeah. And you know, my father-in-law says, you're a loser and um, my mom wants me to get a real job and my wife is terrified. So that's okay. where I am. <laughs> so I actually used this uh, analogy with a client of mine who was, let's call it, they were trying to make their first 20K months. Yeah. And they're sitting here going, well, how am I gonna do that? I've never done that before. And I said to them, okay, you have a dog, right? And they said, yeah. I said, cool. So the day before you had a dog, the, the past evidence would have said, you're never gonna have a dog except the next day you got a dog. So the point being, past evidence does not need to dictate the future. Just because that happened in the past doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna happen in the future. Yes, you have evidence that it's happened in the past, but the one thing you didn't have then was all the experience of all those mistakes that you now have that you can learn from. And most times, so many people just put all this stock into what happened before and they don't recognize that you can learn from that, you've got more experience, you've built a business that's more aligned with who you wanna be and what you wanna do and your message in your life. All those things would tell me like, hey, you have an opportunity to do something here based on your past experience, right? If I said I'm never gonna be good at mindset because you know I got punched in the face 15 years ago, we wouldn't be here, right? right? So the fact that I could grow. so. When we're looking for evidence, it's really important that we look for ideally specific evidence that we have about ourselves. You know, that one time I did that one thing and I had that good sales day. If we can't find specific evidence, well, can we look for something like that's a little more vague, but it's still about us? Like, well, I know that I can learn from this stuff. I know that I can grow in this way. I've, you know, I've grown in this way in my life. Why can't I grow in my business or in my business sense? And then worst case scenario, if we have absolutely no evidence of ever having any success in any place in our lives, well, can we look at someone else who has? Because if, if I can see that Craig Ballantyne has had success in a similar business, well then why don't I just do a similar thing to what he did, right? This is all about the growth mindset and really looking at if someone else can do it, and if I can do it in another place in my life, then of course I should be able to do it here as well. Yeah, I think that's very important. And I think it's very important for people to understand, like if you're starting a business and you don't think you can be successful, well, again, look at where you have been successful. Maybe you're really a really great you know, husband or wife or father or parent or really great at golf. Well, in order to, all of those things are hard. Exactly. And, and entrepreneurship is a learnable skill and it just, you know, it's generally simple in its ways of doing things. So you can transfer your success. You're good at something. There's something exactly. out there. You've proven that you can do these things and you have to transfer it over, right? Yeah, and, and that's this like, we're always brainwashing ourselves one way or the other. So why not brainwash ourselves in order to help us? Yeah. Instead of brainwashing ourselves to handcuff us and to, to keep us back. like you may as well look for the ways that you can grow, even if it's in your fitness or as a parent or in a specific sport, and then translate that over to whatever it is you're trying to do. I think some of the most 
valuable benefit that you can have to the world and that you are having already is with getting people out of the scarcity mindset. Mm. And you recently created this visualization, 10 minute visualization that we're gonna put up on YouTube and it's, it's amazing, I listen to it every day. Thank you. And so most people go through lives, think their lives, you know, entrepreneurs, people that work in corporate with that scarcity mindset. They think mm. that the pie is a certain amount of uh, size and that it can't be bigger. They think that there's only a certain amount of money. They think that, especially now that it's easy to find bad news and everybody thinks oh, bad news is coming. Very easy. <laughs> and you have this visualization, this visual in the visualization about going to the ocean. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about that because you just shared this testimonial from one of our clients an hour before this interview where she was probably a scarcity type person. She's gone through the visualization just once or multiple times. This was her first time going her through first it. First time going <laughs> through it. And she went about and you, you uh, brainwashed her into thinking abundantly. That's right. And she looked at the world a different way. And then it was one of those magical, uh, you know, like, like in The Secret where the guy finds the parking space or gets the check, you know, right, delivered. Right. She made a $4,500 sale, which is like really high for her business. Yeah. All within an hour or so of listening to this visualization. So walk us through the visual in the visualization that can help correct somebody's scarcity mindset. Yeah, if you, let's start with this. Money, we view money on such a pedestal, right? Money at its source is energy, right? Like it used to be a goat, trading a goat for some wheat, and then it was, you know, we had these metal things and then we had paper, you know? Now it's just numbers on a screen, really, and, and credit cards, right? So money is just energy. So if we look at the fact that how you view something like money is probably how you view most of the things in your life. And if you feel that there like isn't enough money or the pie is only a certain size and you know we can only take our small slice, well then you probably view relationships that way, you probably view your fitness that way, you probably view your, your work that way, you probably view time that way, that like it's scarce, it's scarce. You know, I can't, I'm never gonna get enough, I'm never gonna have enough. And, and that's not a way I wanna live my life. Now the visual that I take people through is what I like to call the ocean of abundance, right? And it's like, okay, you're, you're at the beach and you're looking looking out on the, on the ocean, and when you look at the ocean, one of the coolest things I think about the ocean, I live in the middle of the prairie, so we don't have much ocean. In Winnipeg. In Winnipeg, yeah. right? When you go to the ocean and you look out, you can't see anything out there, most of the time, right? So we're in Cancun, you look out, it's just ocean. Right, and, and even here, there is an island 30-minute boat ride away, but it. you can't even see it. Right, right. and like that's, that just, reframes like how big the ocean really is, right? Because that's only 30 minute boat ride away and you still yeah. can't see it. And so if we look at the ocean of abundance and go like, if you were to be at the beach and think about the ocean and the sun's shining on it and it's like, it's, it's like diamonds, right? It looks like diamonds when, it's, when the sun's shining on it. If you picture the fact that the, the ocean is a representation of abundance, mm -hmm. That is an incredibly powerful visualization. We have a visitor. <laughs> Talk about abundance. That is an incredibly powerful visualization that the ocean is basically represents money and yeah. represents everything that you can have. And so if you think about that and you're on the beach and you're thinking of how big this ocean is, imagine how much money and abundance is available to you as a as a human being, you know, the universe or God, there is no limit to the amount of abundance, just like the, it feels like there's no limit to the amount of water in the ocean. And I think when you can start to reframe and think about like 
The only limits that I have on my income potential is what's in here. Everything changes because you're like, oh, well, I can just start to believe that I could make more money whenever I choose to. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, the more that you pay attention to the news and all that type of stuff, and the more that you surround yourself with negative scarcity minded people, the easier it is to get in that scarcity mindset. And so to have this, again, it's an amazing 10 minute visualization. And I don't want to be one of those people who are like, you know, I drove to the place and I got the best parking spot. And when I got the parking <laughs> spot, there was a check sitting in the parking spot. And, but the day after I did like three of them, Daniel, who's uh, one of our other coaches, he and I own a Fit Body Bootcamp. We've been trying to sell this thing. And he like sends me this message. Say, hey, we just sold it, you know, for six figures. It's amazing. Oh, awesome. And then one of my other friends who I like another joint partnership with. It's like, hey, you know what? We did better this month than we expected. It's like. And then I'll take a small cut. Yeah, small right. Cut. And then you know Michelle's dad sends us, Michelle's dad sends us a thousand dollars to buy a Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> we 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 bought a fifteen dollar Bluetooth speaker. So now we got a thousand bucks, right? And and Talk so about abundance. Yeah, and you know what? There's probably some bad things that happened, you know, along the way. But when your mind is wired for abundance, you know, it's just you're just it's. Being optimistic, as the Dalai Lama says, you know, be optimistic, it just feels better. And you know, be abundant, it just feels better, regardless of whether or not you know, the checks are raining into your mailbox. Yeah. But I think it is so powerful because so many people need it. And I've never heard you describe it as, if you look at money this way, you probably look at relationships this way and, and your whole view of the world is that way. Because I think a lot of people don't see abundance in relationships either, which, totally. you know, and honestly is probably even more important for your long-term well-being and your health to have an abundance of relationships. Yeah. And it's certainly something that I've always looked at in abundance. And that was a really, really neat way of saying things. And I've never heard it said that, uh, that way before. So in addition to understanding that there's an abundance of energy, money, everything out there, what other ways can you correct people's mindsets when they come from that scarcity background? I think I often just tell people, let's look at the facts, right? So how far back can we pull it? If you are listening to this podcast right now or watching it on YouTube, you have access to a cell phone, a laptop, internet. There's a lot of people in the world that don't have access to that. You know, we have a roof over our head. We have clothes on our back. We, you know, we have a warm bed to sleep in. What you appreciate appreciates. So if you appreciate even those seemingly little things that we have, that a lot of us have, you can start to recognize that like, man, I am in a really, really good place. I would say that most of the North American world that listens to podcasts is abundant. Sure. I mean, we got it pretty good, right? If you've been to other places, if you've been to other countries and seen the way they live, and if they can be happy, how can you not be happy with what you have? And when you shift that, now your reticular activating system, the better it gets, the better it gets. Your reticular activating system is now looking for other ways to prove that there is abundance everywhere. Yeah, with the reticular activating system, share the most common like story that people use to explain what the reticular activating system is, like about the color of the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're, you know, you're looking to buy a new car and you see that car everywhere, right? Especially, you know, I wanna buy a red car. We see red cars driving around everywhere 
for that two day period, right? Yeah. Or you're looking to buy a new house, you see for sale signs on every lawn it feels like, right? And now you're, you're Googling all these houses and trying to figure out what the price is. That is our reticular activating system at work going. Normally we wouldn't focus on this, this stimulus because it doesn't matter in your life, but now you've told me that it matters. So I'm gonna look for it, right? So if we have constantly programmed it to look for negative news, right, by watching CNN or the news or whatever it is, it's going to continue to look for negative things. That's one of the glitches, right? It, it only looks for things to further the belief that you already have. So can we decide to program it in a way to look for better things, to look for abundance, to look for opportunities? It will, that's the best part. So recently you did this amazing masterclass for people that signed up for it. There was almost 100 people there and there's so much interaction with yeah. you in the, in the comments. What were you surprised or not surprised by? Or like, oh yes, that reaffirms what I'm teaching here. What were like some of your biggest takeaways from the chat part of that mindset? Training? It was almost overwhelming. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, it can be. It can I, be. I think the biggest thing was I'm still I still need to find evidence myself that this work is as powerful as it is, right? I'm, I'm always having this thought like, oh, they don't need it. They're gonna laugh me off the stage, whatever. Like they don't need this stuff. And so these comments coming in and like the amazing vulnerability that people had mm -hmm. was so powerful for me to recognize. Like look at all these people who just signed up for this thing, right? From an email list and look at the they're sharing these very powerful stories and these things that are that are guiding their subconscious thoughts and beliefs so it allowed me to collect more evidence that wow like we're on the right path people need this work and then it also really reaffirmed uh, the fact that when you give people a safe space when you give people a container of feeling safe and feeling like you know there's other people like me they will open up and they will really and that spurs itself on because then one person opens up another person opens up another yeah. person opens up up and I can really start to see like now we're cooking because then I can help them yeah and it was personally really interesting to me because one of the attendees was one of my university professors really great guy Why you didn't tell me that before yeah I mean I mean <laughs> this guy is like world famous in the sport and physiology world and he was on there and he's making a bit of a career shift and he was really sharing some some deep stuff and personal stuff and it was it was amazing to see that that you brought that out and I think that there's something about you personally, I think that allows people to do that. And you know, we're down here in Cancun, we got a mastermind meeting that we're having in a couple days and for a couple days. And again, we've made it a safe space for people to, totally. to share. And you've done this a couple of times before and multiple masterminds. What have been some of the big breakthroughs and why, why is it even really even more important to be in the room, in the safe spaces with people who have also gone through this? Why is that like the most powerful place to have a transformation? Yeah, so more so than, you know, being on Zoom, yeah. If everything is energy, as we just talked about with money and all that, being in the room, you know, the proverbial room, you are in the energy of the other people that are in the room, right? You are in the, the, the vibration or the frequency. So someone like you is in there and we've got some of our clients who are just doing incredible things and making lots of money and having tons of success. They're in there and they're, you know, bringing the vibration up. Like it's almost impossible to not feel incredibly excited and inspired to be in this room. And I, you know, I invited a friend of mine to come. He's a young guy. We had a newer client who is, 
was hanging out with us last night at dinner and he gave us this feedback that he's just like, I'm so overwhelmed. Like, how are you guys, how do you guys know all this stuff? I'm so overwhelmed. And I said, that's one of the best things because you recognize that there's like so much more that you can learn and so much more than you can know. So when you're in these rooms, you start to see like, hey, that guy or that girl is just like me and they're crushing it. Like, and in talking to them, I recognize like, we're not that different. So all I have to do is just keep putting one foot in front of the other, keep moving forward. And I can have that business and that lifestyle that I pursue. That's the co-opting of the evidence. Yes. That you talked about before. A hundred percent. Because that other person is showing you evidence because, you know, they're similar enough to you that you can see yourself in their shoes. Yeah. I mean, hey, listen, you spend enough time with really rich people and you notice they're just as goofy as, as, as you are. You know, some of them. <laughs> if not more. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and I mean, listen, just because they can make a whole bunch of money doesn't mean that they know how to work out or know how to dress themselves or anything. Or what did you say? Know how to turn on a computer? Something? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> my favorite Pedro story is that one time he, you know, he was writing all his emails on, on a laptop and he somehow accidentally spell corrected the word because on, on his computer. So it's like you can change like the correct spelling so that he had the U in front of the A. And so every email that ever went out from him had because spelled incorrectly, even though he spell checked the email because he had somehow with his big fat Armenian thumbs, as he <laughs> describes them, had somehow you know, said, no, this is the correct spelling of because. And so all of his emails had because spelled and Incredibly successful, incredibly- well, Sure, you know, because- Financially successful. Yeah, and so everybody's got their flaws, right? That's now, right. you were mentioning before when you were doing the training that it was a validation to you and that it helped because you're still looking for a bit of validation. So what are some of the biggest mindset challenges that you're working through and, and what have you been doing recently and what are the, what's the work that you do every day? Yeah, so imposter syndrome is a big one, right? Like when we look at it, I've, I've, I've really only been actively coaching this stuff for a relatively short period of time. I've been living this for you know the past 30 years or so of like trying to figure out my mindset and be intentional about that stuff. I just never knew that it was gonna lead to this. So I'm relatively new, so I'm working through the imposter syndrome. One other thing that I have struggled with in the past and I think a lot of people do is, you know, we get told a lot of different messages. I'm, I'm right now fighting between, you know, as you know, that I'm working on a book and I'm fighting between done is better than perfect and good is the enemy of great, yeah. right? I sent you the first copy and I was okay, done is better than perfect, get it out, right? And then it was, you gave me really good feedback that was like, this is good, it's not great, right? So I'm, I'm fighting between that right now of like, how do, I, how do I make sure that I get things done quickly so that I can get feedback quickly and make them great, mm -hmm. right? I think it's kind of a both type of thing the more that I learn about it. Some of the stuff that I do daily uh, is, we've heard this before, but it's the foundational work. Practicing gratitude some form of mindfulness and that can be as small as one one intentional breath it doesn't need to be a big meditation thing one intentional breath taking intentional breaths and focusing on that focuses you in the present moment so what's an intentional breath thinking about the air coming into your nostril and thinking about the air going out of your nostril okay thinking about the air coming into your belly and the air going out of your belly right just being intentional about it that puts you in the in kind, the kind of what almost every meditation does for the first couple of breaths totally yeah okay. but we don't need it doesn't need to be this big thing if that scares you right if it, if one breath is all you can do, do one breath. Yeah, okay. You've done some form of mindfulness. I've been, I journal a lot, you know, because when I, when I write it out, then it takes the power away from it because it's out of my head. And then kind of on the bigger picture has just been constantly, you know, I, I, I've 
keep a swipe file of positive feedback, positive testimonials, sure. screenshots, so that if I'm not having a good day, I can pull out that swipe file, I can swipe through and go, look at all these lives that I've changed. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so journaling, and you said it takes the power away. So what is that, is that like, you know, I'm frustrated by something, I'm gonna journal about it, now it's not that big of a deal? So when you write something out, one of the things that I have recognized is I write out this story. Let's say it's a very powerfully charged story for me of, of me getting punched in the face, sure. right? To bring that back. You can read that. It's the same words, but you have a very different lens on that. You, you know, find it funny. <laughs> in fact, a lot of us find it funny and, and maybe I'm still struggling with that and, and you know, it's really hard for me. What you start to recognize is that the power that is given to these words and these stories is, is through your lens and through your perception of reality. And so someone else reading these words has a totally different perception of reality. So there's a totally different story going on around those words. So when you can write them out, you get it out of your head and you essentially take away those stories and take away that lens and it's just words on a page at that point. One of the things when I'm coaching somebody, I find that it's really easy to solve their problems because they are emotionally attached to the problem. Mm -hmm. And I think that maybe this journaling aspect can help you emotionally detach from the problem. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, I've got this employee, they've, you know, they're, they're horrible, they do this, this, and this, but they've been with me for four years, and well, you're just emotionally attached to this problem. It's clear, like to anybody, yeah. any other rational observer of this problem would say, you're losing money by having this person on your team, and the, the only reason that you won't let them go is you know, because you've known them for four years, so it doesn't yeah, make any went sense. Yeah, went to their birthday party or right, something. Right, yeah, so it's, it's that emotional attachment, so maybe the journaling helps uh, relieve that emotional attachment, allows somebody to make more of a rational decision. Yeah, it's one of the things I'm gonna be presenting on this week is how to make yourself a more objective observer of your own life, so that you don't allow your emotions to dictate these decisions and you can make better, more objective decisions. Okay, well, yeah, that's yeah. good. Because I'm gonna talk a lot about emotional regulation, which you Amazing. Know, when when beginner entrepreneurs you know hit the panic button, it's because they have no emotion. Well, it's not just beginner entrepreneurs, it's entrepreneurs at all levels. Yeah, we see them at all levels, yeah. It's the emotional regulation that's, you know, leads to bad decisions. So then you're doing this on a regular basis. How has this changed you in the last six to 12 months as you become better at the processes? Yeah, I mean, one year ago today, I had never presented in front of a group in person. No way. No. Wow. You guys gave me my first opportunity to do that and now I've presented on, you know, probably close to 10 stages in front of probably close to a thousand people. Mm -hmm. So. You know, I like to call it these, since doing this work, opportunities have quote unquote dropped into my lap, yeah. right? I have opened up the opportunity to allow these things into my life. And I think that's been the biggest thing is instead of trying to force it and trying to control it, I have worked on myself and these external things have started to come to me. Question related to the hockey story. So, you know, it's 2005, you're 17. You're bringing that back again. No, I've got, I've got, I've, I've got a weird question. I've got a weird question. You know, so, because I remember when you were presenting this at the mindset training, you know, the way that you said, like, after that, you know, it's surprising that, you know, you've, got, you've been able to go on, go on and do these things. Whatever happened to the other guy? Shire. Man. You know, the guy that hit you in the face, did he become like the, the 
president of a country or something <laughs> with this newfound confidence? I will say this. I have Googled him. I think he's just, you know, got a regular job doing yeah. regular thing. I, he had a short-lived career in the Western Hockey League, uh -huh. the same league. So unfortunately, he didn't get the confidence that he should have got from punching a big six foot seven guy in the face yeah. numerous times. I don't know if he knows how much, you know, how much that how he's story. Being he's being talked about right now as tears are burning. <laughs> now, that story has come a long way, hasn't he it? He doesn't realize what gift to humanity he, he gave by throwing the, the I should actually send him a message and say thank you. You should send him an edible arrangement. <laughs> an edible arrangement, that's right. Shire, thanks bro. Thanks man, really appreciate oh, it. Man. If this anybody is... knows Luke Shire. Luke Shire. From somewhere in Western Canada. What team did he sure. play for? The Portland Winterhawks. Played for the Portland Winterhawks in 2005, 2006. Yeah, that's right. Amazing. So now, you know, you've gone through all this transformation. The past year, you've been growing, you've been hitting all the stages. You have over 20 clients. You know, you're coaching every single day. What are the things that you're seeing most often? And what are the fixes that you're providing? Uh, yeah, so to, to what we've been talking about, I'm seeing a lot of blind spots, right? We can't read the label from inside the bottle. Like you said, we're emotionally attached. We're kind of in the tor in the eye of the, the, the tornado or the eye of the storm. So I see a lot of people, you know, oftentimes I'll just ask them one question and just let them talk, especially if they're struggling or they're like emotionally charged. I'll just be like, tell me about it. And then they'll just pour all these beliefs and stories out and I'll just be writing notes like, oh, that one, that one, that one. And then we can go to work on those things. So I see a lot of blind spots and I think the biggest way that I can help them is just let them talk and then allow them to see a different perspective. And I think that's one of the biggest ways that coaching is super valuable is it's you have this objective observer of your life and of your career and your business that can help you. So that's one of the things I see. And then the other thing I see is just wanting to be, you know, not being very patient with the process, wanting to be done, like kind of a one and done, right? We do these things at live events where we get these huge breakthroughs for people, right? You've seen it, we've all seen it, right? We rewire their brain, they, they get this new identity and they leave. If you're ever somebody who has like left an event and gone like, oh, this is amazing, and then one week later, you're like right back into the same thing, it's because they're not giving it enough time and space to really build up that evidence base, right? Alex Ramosi says, you don't build confidence by shouting affirmations in the mirror. You need an undeniable stack of proof. That undeniable stack of proof does not take two weeks. It takes months. It takes quarters, years to really develop that stack of proof and really hone in on it. So a lot of times I see people just shortchanging themselves and not allowing themselves to go through the process of finding evidence that their new belief is true. How do you get non-talkers to talk? How do you get non-talkers to talk? Well, I would imagine that they are not very confident in their voice. But when you're coaching somebody and it, like somebody doesn't want to open up about something, so maybe they're not necessarily a non-talker, but, mm. but they're yeah, hesitant. They're, yeah, so um, I've had a few, I've had this happen a few times. I just get real with them for a second and I kind of like break the, you know, break the frame and just go, hey, you know, you signed up for this thing, you know, you clearly want something out of that. I'm not feeling like I'm getting a whole lot from you. What's going on? So the biggest thing for me is like saying like, this is what I'm feeling. Is that the case? And oftentimes that will lower, that will lower the walls a little bit. Like if I just open up and say, hey, like I'm kind of feeling this way. What are you feeling? And it's, it's a delicate process. And what, what would you give as advice to somebody who wants to be more empathetic? You seem like an empathetic kind of guy. Yeah, I do feel that empathy is is like, you know, a trait that some of us have a little bit more of. I think if you can 
ask yourself specific questions. Where, what may be this person's way of thinking? And can I put myself in their shoes? I did this actually with a client recently who was arguing with his wife a whole lot. And I just said to him, you know, if we were to just turn the tables and you were to put, you know, step in your wife's shoes for a second, what do you think she's feeling? And he's like, huh, oh, probably scared. She's probably this, probably that. And like, it immediately, you could tell it just shifted his entire perspective. Uh -huh. Got an email the next day, he's like, my wife and I had a great chat. I don't know if it's this magic woo-woo that you did. <laughs> but, you know, I think just putting yourself in their shoes and saying like, where may they be coming from? Because I believe that everyone's doing the best they can with what they have. And if you can believe that and then put yourself in their shoes, you probably get a sense that they're trying to. It's not like they're trying to be, you know, difficult or they're trying to argue with you all the time. They don't want that either. There's a reason that that's happening. Yeah, I think that's very important. They don't want that either. And no. so you can help them through it. Last thing I want to ask you about is somebody who's just, who's liking this and it's like, man, you know, this gives me some hope. What's the first step to rewire the brain for success? I think the first step to rewiring your brain for success is recognizing the places, like what are you afraid of? So recognizing the places where you are afraid. Are you afraid of failing on a big stage in front of people? Are you afraid of being seen because you're making more money or because more people are, are following you on social media? Are you afraid of success? Does success bring with it different expectations of you? So like asking yourself, like, you know, this is the thing that I'm doing that's not in alignment with what I want to be doing. Why? Like really sitting down and, and it might not be an overly fun conversation with yourself or an overly fun journaling session, but if you can recognize that the reason why this is happening is because I'm scared of something, it's always because you're scared of something, what am I scared of? Now we can bring that out into the open and it's not quite as scary. Nice, well, that's a good first place to start. Yeah. Awesome, my man, this was, this was a lot of fun. Great um, conversation. Yeah, is there anything else you wanna share with entrepreneurs, people that wanna be more successful? Yeah, when we have these conversations, there can be a lot of self-judgment, right? We're all high performers, we all wanna win, yeah. right? So there can be a lot of judgment like, oh, I'm just, I can't believe like that, 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 and that. That's all me, yeah. right? You're not alone. You've been there, I've been there. The other people on our team have been there. A lot of our clients who are doing incredible things right now have been there. You're not alone. Every business owner feels this way at some point. Just recognize that you're not wrong for this and there's judgment is not helping you in any way. Yeah, I think it's very important to be around more people, like-minded people who have been there, done that, and who are going through the same thing as you because that's the, that's the energy in the proverbial room, as you said, that, Absolutely. You, that you need. Gavin, what's your Instagram? We're about to make a change and it's gonna be more similar to yours. It's gonna be at real Gavin McHale. McHale, M-C-H-A-L-E. That's right. Awesome, all right, and I want, what I want you to do is I want you to send Gavin a message and ask him for the link to the visualization, okay? Yes. We're gonna have this available for free but you need to send him a direct message to get that. Of course, you can also uh, send it to me, his secretary at Real Craig Valentine. I'm happy to send the link as well, and then I'll make sure that you get access to his Instagram. Is there any other way that people uh, should get a hold of you? Yeah, Gavin at CraigValentine.com if you yeah. really want to get into it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, send what you're struggling with. Gavin would love to help. Absolutely. Gavin, this is absolutely amazing, and I'm looking forward to helping you bring your book to the world. It's absolutely needed to help people rewire themselves for success. This is Craig Valentine from Early to Rise Radio. We'll see you on the next episode.